Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A high fly left field. Stewart going back and Buxton with an insurance run in the eighth. His sixth home run of the year. And the Twins lead has grown to four. And the Twins. <sighs> Breathe a sigh of relief. Four out of five from the Detroit Tigers. We will break down a set of Twins games like it is football. And then we're going to break down football because it's week one of the NFL season. And the Minnesota Vikings already stumbling into Packers week. So Mackie and Judd is rocking this week. A quick shout out and thank you to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been around for over 100 years in the state of Minnesota, helping business owners. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as a business owner as you navigate the challenges of your day-to-day. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome into the show. Declan Goff quarantining from his first flight during the COVID period. I liked it. It was no, it was actually really more enjoyable. And they board the plane in reverse order now. So now they board the plane from back to first. Okay, see, I, I feel like they should have been doing that for a long time. Oh, they should 100%. have. 100%. But the rich people didn't like that. Correct. So yeah. it scared them. But why would you want to get on the plane? Like, I, I want to be the last person to board the plane, period, anyways, because I don't want to sit there because, for an extra 30 minutes. Yeah, but you are th- thinking the way that I do, which is the coach perspective on life. If you're a first class That's person, you, want that you get in cocktail yeah. immediately in hand. Nobody point. bothers you. You yeah. sit there and get drunk. That's a good point. Although I usually have a cocktail in hand at like the airport bar while I'm waiting well, for coach. So do, so do I. But I'm Correct. saying, but I'm saying, if you can get in that big fluffy seat in first class, right, and get the mimosa immediately, are you going to oh, say no? It's a game changer. No. It is a game changer. So, I, but anyway, Declan is right. It's a fair point. This is the correct way to do it. He's right. So so, uh, we have a lot to get to here, gentlemen. Jay Williams from ESPN Radio and from ESPN TV will join us to talk about week one of the NFL season and anything else we want to dive into with him. We will discuss whether the Vikings are primed to win the NFC North. You can also find our daily Vikings discussions on Purple Daily with Mackie and Judd, the podcast, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com, and youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. But boys, football. We break down Twins games like they are football games, and the Twins just played a five-game series against the Detroit Tigers. It wasn't always pretty, certainly a lot of things to nitpick, but ultimately they take four out of five. They have righted the ship after, uh, what was it, a six-game losing streak yes. that, that resulted in a team meeting. And the Twins right now, it took us a while to find this. MLB.com does have their ducks in a row, though, with the, these postseason seeds. So the Twins are still third in the American League Central, but they are 26 and 17. So because they're third in the division and the first two teams in each division occupy collectively the top six seeds out of eight, the twins are technically the seven seed in the American league right now. If the playoffs started today and they would play a three game series against Cleveland and that pitching staff that I think everybody would like to avoid, but let's throw it to Judd here. You start us off wherever you want, breaking baseball down. Football. Like it's football. I got a quick question first. Why didn't we just go with the top eight records in each league? I got to make it as confusing as possible. But just I mean, like your favorite sport, the NHL. Okay, I'm just very confused by that one. Um, 
I'd like to start here. And, and Phil, I think we did this exercise last week, and I think we can start to do it now, twins-wise, week by week. But after what we saw in this homestand, particularly from Barrios, uh, Rich Hill, who made two starts, and probably most importantly, Pineda, who made two starts. I think the really interesting talker, as it appears the Twins for sure are going to be in at least that first round of the playoffs, which is going to be a best of three series, is yeah, they're in. what is your rotation in that series? Because I think now it's really intriguing. And I'm going to tell you right now mine, and I'm going to do this week by week, scorenorth.com as well. And explain myself. We might need more than we might need it multiple times a week. Yeah, it's fun. I think we need it's it a after, lot of fun for sure. After every Barrios, Maeda, and okay. Pineda start, then I can do that too. You know what? I'm looking for stuff. How about daily? Can I'm we do it? Can stuff. we do it daily? You know what? Hourly. There's two. No, change my mind. There's two off days this week. Can we still do oh, it on the off days? No, I've changed my mind again. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so flustered. Uh, mine is Maeda. Game one. He's been outstanding. I think he has done everything that you uh, possibly could ask after the Gratterall trade. He's been great. But now it gets interesting because I think I am, after what I've seen in two starts, gentlemen, I think I'm going Pineda game two, Barrios game three, very much locked to Rich Hill. This is Baldelli on Pineda's wonderful outing. When I tell you it was, uh, I'm sure it was hard to even get a grip on the ball. That's what it was. Did he come in? Did Big Mike come in and... uh complain at all or look uncomfortable out on the mound nothing absolutely none of that he just continued to pitch he continues to do his job and he did a great job okay and i believe his pitch count was something like 103 if i'm not mistaken yeah they let that one slip i i, I don't know if they knew he no, was at 100 but this is this is back to back starts somebody, somebody miscounted that's dangerous this is back to back starts this is back to back in start one, which was essentially his first start in a year coming off that 60-game suspension, which um, carried over more so because of the pandemic, he, uh, let's see here if I've got this, he threw 81 pitches, okay? And then yesterday, 100-plus pitches. Michael Pineda's a guy that Twins aren't concerned about. He's the only one, I think, when it comes to pitch counts. He has pitched so well, and I like his demeanor. And I like what he brings, and I don't think a big game would fluster him much. He just seems to be sort of calm and relaxed. He is. He's super chill. I'm going to go with Maeda, based on what he's done, Pineda, Barrios, and this might be, and this is where it gets dicey, because Barrios, largely based on his last start, which was outstanding, and if he is that guy, I start him for sure, and then I tie him to Rich Hill. And the reason why I'm bailing more and more on Hill is I don't know what I'm going to get stamina-wise. Like, I don't, it just sort of now, and he's 40, he's been hurt a lot, but if you watch him pitch, you guys, it just sort of runs out at some point in time. And look, if it's after five, that's absolutely fine. But the problem is sometimes it's sort of like in the fourth or so. Uh, so if Real struggles, I would certainly turn to Rich Hill, but my starters, Maeda, Pineda, Brios. All right, I, I love this. This is this is a fun exercise, you guys. Football. So. I tweeted yesterday in the heat of the moment. I said, my updated Twins playoff rotation. We used this, but by the way, on the podcast with Depew. <laughs> Depew I immediately that. used it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip Depew for being high maintenance for a second, and I know that he's going to be listening to this. Depew texted me yesterday, <laughs> and he goes, hey, who sent that, who sent that audiogram out of my, uh, of my take on Pineda? And I said, oh, I, I, probably Declan probably sent that. He goes, because my ta- cause I, th- I think I said that like four days ago, and my take on it has changed since the clip came out. <laughs> You can't worry about that in this business. First of all, you got to stick to your takes, okay? If your takes are wildly right. changing every four days, Depew, come on now. Stick to your convictions. But <laughs> but I said I said my updated Twins playoff rotation is Mike Pineda, number one, Kenta Maeda, number two. I'm buying into Judd's. Judd has changed his thought on this since last week, which it's, it's evolving. Uh, but I'm sticking with Rich Hill handcuffed to Jose Barrios in game three, and then Randy Dobnak for, if you get to a five-game series, then Randy Dobnak becomes your number four starter in that playoff series. So here's my thought. This is crazy, and I, I wouldn't have guessed this, but Michael Pineda has never pitched in a postseason game. He So he he pitched for the Yankees for like four years, yeah. And, yeah. and I'd have to go through and see like what the circumstances were or if he just didn't make the postseason rotations or what, but, mm-hmm. but I don't believe he has ever pitched in a postseason game. I did not realize that when I sent this tweet out yesterday. I just assumed... Oh, I don't. I'm, I don't know if he's gotten rocked or if he's been lights out, but I'm assuming he's pitched in a postseason game before. 
Kenta Maeda has pitched in like 25 postseason games in his career. Sometimes that matters. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, if I'm on the fence and it's a coin flip, I'll go with the guy who has at least stood on that mound 24 times as my as my option. But but to me, it doesn't really matter in what order you start these guys. These are your two best, most reliable starting pitchers, Kenta Maeda and Michael Pineda. And the reason I would lean Pineda over Maeda is because despite the fact that Maeda has gone deep into ball games for the most part this season, I think Pineda is more likely to give you like seven innings and have a pitch count that goes over 100 if needed. He's just a little bit more durable historically. When it, like when they're both healthy and they're both going to be on the mound, Pineda is a little bit more of a horse. And I like that in game one, but I will not die on this hill. I'm not, I, I, those, those are your number one and number two starters and in whatever order you want to use them, I will not fight you. So, you, so. so in game three, you're going to handcuff Rich Hill to Barrios, but you're going to start Rich Hill where I'm going to start Barrios, correct? Yes, and here's why, and, and this is subject to change. This is the change. interesting one, I think. Subject to change. I like whenever, this okay. one. Let's hear it. So the aesthetic of Rich Hill is horrible to watch. Like, he's he huffs, he puffs, he's old, he's you know, he's grunting to throw nine miles an hour. He's basically my day. <laughs> like, Rich Hill pitches like I live. He huffs, he puffs, he swears, he worries, he sweats, he looks miserable. He's, he's, he's always got, like, low-key anxiety, even when he's yes. you know, happy and chilled out. Yes. He's me in but, my day. But here's the thing, okay? We're we're seeing Rich Hill shaking off the rust right now. you got to keep in mind, this is like, we're watching, like, April Rich Hill right now. Hmm? You know, he's he's made a handful of starts. He's coming off surgery. And and you're watching him try to get a feel for that curveball. And even though aesthetically in that game against the Tigers two days ago, he doesn't look great, he still goes five innings, walks nobody, gives up only two runs. And then you look, okay, a couple starts ago, you know, the, the start at Cleveland, right? God, that just that just looked uncomfortable. He's just like falling behind every hitter. But what were the results? Rich Hill, five innings, one run allowed. So so even when he's rusty and when he's kind of at his worst and most uncomfortable, he's still giving you five innings in a big game against Cleveland. He's giving you five with no walks in this game a couple days ago against the Tigers. And if he can continue to get a feel for that breaking ball and if he can continue to knock the rust off yep. and stay healthy, yep. um, I just think you know based on his pedigree in the postseason and in his history the last five years when he's been healthy, he's been one of the best statistical pitchers in baseball, I would still give him the benefit of the doubt. Barrios obviously is the most talented pitcher on the staff, and he's coming off a really good outing. But he gets super worked up and nervous in big games. He gets super worked up and nervous against the Pirates sometimes. So I just like, again, this is subject to change over the next three weeks, but I need to see more from Barrios. It sounds like he had a family situation that was maybe on his mind, mm-hmm. and, and and we'll see if he gains just a little bit more clarity here over the over the coming weeks. But I, when you look at Barrios and you look at Hill, mm-hmm. One guy's a Ferrari, the other guy is like a Ford Escape or oh, something. Oh, he's a Pinto, but God bless him for it. But but at the end of the day, the results the results with Rich Hill could wind up being better than you think when you watch him. Can so. I? So the, the reason why I would lock them together and handcuff them, but go Barrios and Hill is it becomes very clear with Barrios within. This is the frightening thing within probably his first three guys if he's got it both physically and mentally. And I feel like if you start him and you're like, eh, it's not great, that, that Hill, with his experience, is the perfect guy to come in and clean that up and take over for Barrios. I feel like if you start Hill and it doesn't go great and you bring Barrios in, he's going to completely freak out because of the anxiety and you're putting him in a different position. Maybe not. I don't know. I, so I, but, I, that's I, what, but that's why... I feel like Hill would be the better guy to relieve Barrios than Barrios being put in unfamiliar territory to relieve Hill. I, I think there's two things that you it's have to... It's a great look, conversation, though. With the, with the handcuff situation, I think there's two things to consider. Number one is, who is who is the guy that can just like get up in a flash and get ready within 10 minutes? And Barrios is much more likely to be, like just physically, like if, you, if, it was, if it was, hey, Rich Hill, you're handcuffed to Jose, you could either come in in the first inning or you could come in in the fifth. We don't know yet, but you have to be ready. He would be like, I'm 40, dude. Like, it literally takes me six hours to get you ready for a start. You'd have to have him up basically at throwing at the start of the game. <laughs> yes. Like, he, he'd have to be prepared to come in. Yeah. And so it's just, like, logistically, it's tougher to handcuff mm. Hill. Like, I think Hill just has to go through, like, a three-hour routine before the game, work with the trainers, go at his own pace, 
and just know that yeah. he's starting the game. With Barrios, I actually think the opposite. I think in terms of calming your nerves and anxiety, for him to sit there all day and think about the start and, oh, okay, I, you know, I, okay, I, here's my scouting report, and, okay, I'm going to be pitching in this big game versus, hey, we may or may not use you today, just kind of be ready. Oh, you're in right now. You, you Go warm up 10 minutes. I think for him just to go in and pitch could be beneficial. Now, the best-case scenario here is Jose Barrios – Gives you like three lights out starts the rest and of September. And then we change the whole thing and, and he starts game one. conversation. And he starts game one. He's your game so one well. starter. And you've got, you've yeah. got like, because think about this. If yeah. you have peak Barrios and you've got Maeda and Pineda all pitching at their best, that's a damn good rotation. Mm-hmm. And even like as it is for all the people that were sitting there chirping about like, can Josh Donaldson pitch? What about the crappy rotation? Like this was never a crappy rotation. No, it does not have a Max Scherzer like ace at the top of it, but. Kent Maeda has been pitching like one. Barrios has the capability of pitching like one. And Mike Pineda has pitched like one for the better part of like the last 14 months or so. And come back, too? Jake Odorizzi? That's a question. That's going to be a sprint. We don't know. But that's a wild card, too. So this is a really good rotation right now, at least the, like the top three and maybe four, and then we'll see from there. Uh, Declan, what would your rotation be? Yeah, I would definitely go with Kent Maeda, number one. I, I just think he's earned it, and he's been the most consistent pitcher. So he is my bona fide number one. I'd probably lean Big Mike on number two, just again, in, in the small sample size and the consistency he's been able to do, I, I think I, then turning him loose on a pitch count and it doesn't really seem to phase him. I like him for game two. I'll, I will actually go with Judd when it comes to the game three plan. And I would start Barrios and then handcuff him to Hill later in the innings. And I, I thought Rich Hill actually had more postseason relieving appearances than he does. And he actually only has one, but the twins also don't really have a significant lefty arm. That's not Taylor Rogers in that bullpen. What do you mean, and Caleb Thielbar is Mr. Lights Out, oh, baby? Oh, yeah. I love me some Caleb Thielbar. Don't get me wrong. St. Paul Saint and, and Minnesota native. But I, I still think Rich Hill coming out of the bullpen as a lefty specialist and a guy that can be a swingman is more beneficial. And I actually think Jose would freak out more having to come into the fifth inning, not really being used to doing that ever. I know he's younger and healthier, so he can probably get up quicker. But I probably go Jose Barrios. And if he can get through that first inning and, and, that, and kill that Brad Radke disease he likes to have in that first few outings, then I, I feel more comfortable with them. And you can bring in Rich Hill more strategically and he gives you lefty arm. So I would definitely go Maeda, Pineda, Barrios with a handcuff to Rich Hill and then Randy Dobnek for game four if it's necessary. Football. Can we please, and we're, we're going to talk about the guy that plays in left for the Twins, but before we do that, can we please talk about Byron Buxton's last, what, three or four days? Can we? So much fun. I, this is. I can't tell you guys as a baseball fan who loves to see unique stuff, right? I can't tell you guys how much fun it is to see this guy um, when he is healthy and able to play make a difference in games that like if I was to come up to you on Saturday and say, how do you think this game ends? You might say, so no walk off. You might say base hit to right field, right? Like there'd be a there'd be five or six permeations of, of endings of games that you both could probably provide me. And there have probably been in terms of walk-off hits in this league, there have been hundreds through the years of home runs and singles and stuff, right? But do you recall a routine ground ball to shortstop? Which is, I mean, is for the majority, the majority, 99 of 100 people. A routine ground ball out, game done, too bad, um, or game tied. That wins a game. I mean, because on Saturday night, Byron Buxton literally hit a ball to the Tiger shortstop, and the only thing Castro probably could have done differently was charge it a bit. But like he fundamentally did nothing wrong. He didn't bobble it. He didn't make a bad throw. He didn't do anything technically wrong. And Byron Buxton walked the Twins off with what really should have been a six-three. Can I can I say that you you ask like you know who can predict that? So I was watching the game with a friend. We were doing a, a driveway hang, socially distanced, with a TV outside on what what was it Saturday night, Saturday whatever night it was, right? Yes, sir. And we, so we're watching this inning unfold, and there's two runners on. First base is open, and I believe there was it one out at the time. It was first, no two outs. It was two outs, right? Two outs, and Rosario was on first. Cruz was on third, and Rosario. No. Yeah, he took second. took second base. Yep. So there, so Just when walked to second. so when Buxton was there, the first base was open, and, and so you have the winning run at third base. Yes. And my friend says, yes. My friend says, 
Ground ball, ground ball to the left side of the infield. He beats it out for a single. Like he literally called in. <laughs> really? Ground ball left side of the infield. Whoa. He beats it out and they score the run. Like that'd be interesting. And so then we start talking. You know, I think it was only like a two or three pitch at bat, or whatever it was, like a three pitch at bat. Um, but I said, based on what you just said, I would consider walking Byron Buxton here. I get that you've got a pitcher with some control problems here in this inning. That if you if you walk the bases loaded, now he has to come to the next guy. And you can't then issue another walk or the game is over. Yep. So you're factoring that in too. But when Buxton is standing at home plate and you know that a fly ball to the outfield wins the game, any base hit wins the game, and a ground ball to the left side of the infield wins the game, mm-hmm. what are your options? You have to either strike him out or get him to pop up in the infield somewhere. So when you when you start to lay out all the options, I would, and this was a first guess because we, you know, we talked about this as the inning was unfolding. I think it was a mistake to pitch to him in that spot if you weren't like fully in and prepared you should have played him on the left side of the infield like he was going to bunt and like literally have those guys playing like yeah. five feet in on no, the grass. No, you're right. You're right. Because if, you're, if you're yes. going to play the left side of your infield even even with the bag on the edge of the dirt, the game's over if he hits a ground ball over there. And the way he swung, like he knew that if he hit a ground ball over there, the game's he, over. He said. He just stuck his bat out. He said post game, I put a T-ball swing on it on purpose. Yes. Which, by the way, is genius. Yes. Again, this is a guy who, who yes, he gets hurt a lot, but. He's a smart player. He knows he knows what he wants the approach to be. It does not always work, but he knows what he wants his approach to be. Uh, but most importantly, he can take that approach and can do things that probably right now, what do you think? Three guys in the league can do? Five guys maybe? Billy Hamilton. Five if guys he, might be pressing it. If he could put a barrel on a ball, Billy Hamilton, who just got DFA'd by the Mets, I think. He keeps getting DFA'd, too. He can't he's make just, contact. He's just done, I yeah. think. Uh, the other thing Buxton did was, and I screenshotted this, it's on my Twitter account, at Phil Mackey. So he beats a ball into the dirt yesterday, literally, or it's, I think it was like just past the edge of the dirt in front of home plate, and it and it, and it hit the grass first. But mm-hmm. you watch the screen grab, and it's him getting on top of a ball and just chopping it down six feet in front of him at home plate. And you screenshot it there. Stand-up double. Now, I get that the pitcher, like, the ball deflects off the, the pitcher's pitcher, glove yeah. and goes into the left field. I know. But 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 he chops a ball in front of home plate. Yes, and one of the possible outcomes that played out yesterday was stand up double because he's so fast. He also did this too. A high fly left field. Stewart going back and Buxton with an insurance run in the eighth. His sixth home run of the year, and the Twins' lead has grown to four. And it's like it's why I keep saying, and people keep chirping me on Twitter and, and emailing and stuff like, "Why are you such a homer?" This that. If Byron Buxton is healthy and Josh Donaldson too, like if those two dudes are healthy, they change the entire complexion of the roster. They make the pitchers oh, better. That's a hundred percent true. Like the, the, there's just different ways you can win a baseball game, and so it's why yes. I'm so bullish on if those guys are healthy, then this is the best team in the American League, and I think they're going to win the World Series. I'm going to keep saying that as long as those guys are on the field. They they make such a huge impact as far as as approach goes, as far as. The difference, I mean, Buxton, you can't debate this, okay? Buxton's not normal. He's not a normal baseball player. He does things that you don't expect, that you can't predict. I guess I guess, in some cases, you actually can. But it's still very difficult. And what Byron Buxton brings, too, is I, I, love, the, I love that the more I watch him play, too, it's just really clear that although it does not always work for him, that he has an approach. He definitely has one. Like, this is not i I'm going to go up there and, no, no, he strikes out too much. I get that. But if you look at the fact that his at-bats, more and more to me, are rooted in a really pretty smart method at times, that's impressive. And I'll go back to, to it. When you go up to the plate, and if I'm not mistaken, his previous three at-bats on Saturday were strikeout swinging, strikeout swinging, ground ball to third. So he's not, you know, his day at the plate's not going great. And instead of going up there in the ninth and thinking to himself, uh, you know what, I'm going to show these guys. I'm going to hit a home run or I'm going to hit a line drive or blah, blah, blah. His approach is T-ball swing, which he can do. Which yeah. this, is, this, is why, this is why I have turned into a complete apologist for Buxton. Because I really believe he's that good. And more importantly, I really believe that he makes an impact that the majority of guys, we can talk about home runs all we want, but the majority of guys don't have the ability to make the impact that he does. This is why I have become such a fan of, if he's healthy, to Phil's point, 
the difference that he makes in the lineup is just enormous. Don't you know? Don't talk to me about Sano. Don't talk to me. I want to see a guy that makes an impact that is one where you just say, "Oh my God, he hit a ground ball to shortstop," and the Twins won in a walk off. He still has flaws. Yes. He's only walked once, and he's at, at this point still playing like every other day because they're trying to ease him back in, which we can talk about this week too. But uh, but ultimately, he showed three or four different times throughout the last few days. Why he's a game changer. Football. That is a fair ball and it hit the bag. Continuing up the line. Wade scores. Donaldson scoring. They're going to wave another runner around. Rooker will score. And now Rosario's hung up between second and third after clearing the bases with a double. He's tagged out. All right. Breaking baseball down like it's football here. Football. We had the full Eddie Rosario experience this weekend. So obviously he clears the bases with a huge hit, and uh, and that's great. It's awesome. Go, go go plate yourself three runs. But but these are some of the things that happened with Eddie Rosario this weekend. So he runs through the stop sign at third base a few days ago. It was Saturday's game. These are kind of running together. Sunday's game, and he um, nearly killed poor Tony Diaz, who turned around and basically thought, oh, my God, I'm going to yeah. die now because this guy's going to kill me. <laughs> Gets thrown out at home by a mile because yep. he shouldn't have been running home because the stop sign was put up in that spot. Uh, he also quit on a play in left field that so he either like didn't understand the ground rules right. or even if you don't understand the ground rules in that spot, if the if the ball like ricochets around and bounces back onto the playing field, just pick it up and throw it back into the infield. And of course, like he walks away from the ball laying on the ground and like starts to state his case. It's like, okay, that's dude, just like throw the ball in and then state your case. And then of course has the big, you just heard the highlight there. He has uh he has the big hit that clears the bases and gets thrown out at third base completely unnecessarily. And it was a little bit like when Michael Kadari used to have base hit to the outfield and then he would purposely get caught up between first and second base to draw the throw from home to Instead of a guy throwing home from the outfield, he might throw it to like get Michael Kadire out. Mm-hmm. That wasn't Rosario's strategy. I think he was just trying to get the third because he thought the throw was going home. So, anyways, your thoughts on the roller coaster that is Eddie Rosario? All right, I've decided if you can't beat him, join him. And and the Rosario experience bothers. I think it bothers fans. It for sure bothers us. But you know, you, you know who puts up with it time and time again, and I've. Wondered for a long time now, when's it going to change? And clearly, I'm just wrong. It's not. Rocco. Rocco and the boys. All right? So as of today, I am I am naming myself the president of the Eddie Rosario Experience Fan Club. I am going to embrace it. Because you know what? There's some good. Because he's always, he's the guy that you work with who screws up time and time again. But he's got some talent. He just doesn't pay attention. He's the guy that screws up and then he comes back and like hits a home run or something and saves his job. So I am going to embrace it. I am going to take the good with the bad and I'm going to laugh along to I'm done trying to say bench him. They're not going to Declan. So so basically you're saying the Eddie Rosario experience with the guy who messes up and has talent is essentially the same thing as the Declan Goff experience at Score North. Like he, there, there's things that he brings to the table that are that are awesome and there's other things you just have to accept and who he is. The difference is I believe that a band should pick up this name immediately and dub itself the Eddie Rosario Experience. It's a great name. I love it. I like it. So that is breaking football. a baseball game down like it is football. And now we welcome in our friend from ESPN Radio. You can also find him on ESPN TV. But Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin is the new ESPN Radio morning show you can find here on Score North in the Twin Cities from 5 to 9 a.m. Jay Williams in the house. What's up, guys? What's up? I miss you guys. It's been a whole week. It really has. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's uh, far too long, Jay. Far too long. Really has long lost friends here. So, um, so what are are you? I mean, the NBA playoffs are just ridiculous right now. But this is also week one of the NFL season. So, uh, before we dive into some NBA talk, what are you most looking forward to? And you're going to be and you're going to be talking a lot more NFL than you probably ever have in your career. But what are you most looking forward to now that the football season is here? I mean, a whole bunch of things. I mean, obviously, we could start start off in your own hometown. I mean, Kirk Cousins, what happened last week, and I know Kirk, and you know, I think one of the challenges that a lot of people have, um, you know, these days is look, nobody is out here saying that we're politicians, but you know, everything you say can be used against you, right, in some frame or reference, and uh, so navigating that is going to be challenging. But 
you know, obviously for him, you know, coming off an impressive season, um, you know, just under 70% of his passes, 3,000 plus yards, 26 touchdowns, um, you know, it'll be competitive. What's going to happen in, you know, in your division is interesting. What's going to happen with the Dallas Cowboys is something that's always been intriguing to me. What did they do with Dak Prescott? Obviously, we saw Deshaun Watson get paid a ton of money. Uh, now him and Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, the three highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL. So what happens as it relates to that? Uh, look, a lot of storylines going on. What's going to go on with the Chiefs? Uh, Leonard Burnett obviously going to Tampa Bay. Tom Brady playing this year. All the, the weapons he's going to have around him. Is that going to be enough to get by the Saints? We're paying attention to this Alvin Kamara deal going on. Will he get paid? I think he should get paid. So, look, man, I, I know it's – my first time talking football, but my cousin was also David Tyree, who made that incredible catch. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so I, I have been a fan for a long time. Now I actually just get a chance to hear Keyshawn talk and just scream at him every single day. <laughs> he's not the only person who actually knows football. You know, <laughs> the Tyree catch, unbelievable skill or lots of luck. I think even DT will tell you uh, a lot of luck, but I, I will tell you, you know, he's no longer with the Giants. Uh, he left, but. I, you know, one of the main reasons I played basketball, guys, because every time growing up, I was being stiff-armed by my cousin, right? My, my face was literally planted in the streets, um, you know, my side of my cheek. So the, the years and the countless hours of effort that he put into making challenging catches, you have to give a little bit of that skill, too. You bring up Kirk Cousins, and so from, from your perspective, so I'll, I'll give you a quick download on, on – so Judd and I have kind of been in lockstep on Kirk Cousins and that – He's definitely one of the 15 best quarterbacks in the world, and, and, he should, and he should be commended for that. And, and the problem in the NFL is it's a supply and demand issue and that there are 32 teams looking for a franchise quarterback, and there's only like 20 or 22, maybe 23 that are worth crowning as a franchise quarterback, and so they all make $30-plus million in a salary cap league. It's less about complaining about how much money someone makes and more discussing the strategy of how you should allocate your salary cap uh, money, right? And so we look and see, well, wait a second, Russell Wilson, who's a superior quarterback who can avoid pressure and doesn't need a great offensive line to put up big numbers and to, to impact the team. Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins make basically the same amount of money. And so the Vikings are at a disadvantage when it comes to roster building compared to Seattle or other teams. And so we like Kirk Cousins and that he brings some stability, but we also feel like he's probably not good enough to carry a team, but gets paid like it in a salary cap league. And and that's that's what we're trying to untangle here going into 2020. Can you actually win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins making the money that he makes within the salary cap structure? I don't think so. And, and I think that's a that's a challenge. I mean, we were literally having an argument today about Lamar Jackson, and you know, obviously, you know, where will he get paid in the upper echelon? His ability to scout and do things in the pocket. I, you know, if you, if you're not actually allocating that money properly towards you know other pieces. Uh, of your team, then I, I think you ultimately have to struggle. And look, I, I know the quarterback is the most, it's the sexiest position. It's the position that demands the most money for most of the times for a lot of teams. But if you, if you pay a guy that amount of money, which I, I love Kirk, but Kirk shouldn't be in the same breath as Russell Wilson, right? Uh, then that hinders you from obviously taking your team to the next level, whether that be defense or how your team is prioritized, you know, what strategy they play with. Um, teams can just be lock and step with the way they go about it, and that hinders you from winning a Super Bowl. Hey, but back. To what Kirk said too, uh, if you if you played with Kirk and look, I, I I get it. Everyone's got the right to their opinion, and what yeah. he said w- was not exactly you know shocking. Like I don't care. He he just basically gave his opinion. But if you were in that locker room, how would you feel about that comment? You know, man. Like I I got a chance to meet Kirk uh, maybe about a couple of years ago. When the Final Four was in Minneapolis, and we spent some time just talking. And I, obviously, reading about him, I know he's always been uh, a faith-based guy, and uh, you know, I, I he sounded very reasonable and sound uh, when I spoke to him, like he had his head on straight. I, I know that's a personal preference. I, I this is the whole thing that's going to throw a, a loop into this whole year, though, with COVID, and you know, your individual beliefs and whether other teammates believe those same things and. Hey, I, I know he came out and kind of retracted the statement to a degree and just take wearing masks seriously. But then you, you, you wonder that like this could see these kind of things seep into locker rooms. I don't care what anybody says. Now, if somebody happens to see Kirk and he's around people that maybe 
they're not sure who they are or he's bringing up certain friends, depending upon what's happened throughout the course of the season. If he's around you without a mask, you could feel a certain way about it. And, you know, look, so much of, of, of this, of our sport, football, basketball, all it has to do with trust, guys. You know, it has to do with trust. And if you don't know your teammates and what you're asking your teammates to do, if they have, like for me personally, guys, like my daughter is immune suppressed. My mom is immune suppressed. She's had two kidney transplants. So it's something that Keyshawn and I talked about, right? Because Keyshawn goes out to eat all the time. And I'm like, hey, Key, you know, are you being weary of who you keep your eye, like who you're around? You know, uh, who are you talking to? Because I have to be around you every single day. So, it, it, you know, if you're not going to be responsible, you know, that's going to make our situation a little bit more challenging at work because I don't want something to happen to my daughter. Now, I know I can't control that, but you still try to do as much as possible to limit your risk. And anybody that tries to tell you, well, this is just football, regardless of whatever your belief on it is, you have 100-plus guys that are dealing with the same thing that are all trying to handle, you know, how serious they're taking it depending upon – what issues their family has or what issues they have. It's going to be a, it's a big thing. Yeah. And the Viking, one of the, one of the key defensive players for the Vikings, Michael Pierce, defensive tackle opted out because he is immune compromised and doesn't want to. So, so I, it, especially when you're a quarterback, you're the leader of any, of any football franchise or any franchise, like your, your words land differently and you just have to be mindful. Jay Williams is our guest here. I'm Mackie and Judd. You can hear him five to 9 a.m. Central time here on Score North AM 1500 in the Twin Cities, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Before we say goodbye, uh, NBA playoffs have been, have been, I think the NBA has just nailed this bubble concept. It's super fun to watch. Um, the biggest talker right now is is what's happening with Giannis and the Bucks, and he's a free agent in a year if he wants to be. What do you think happens with Giannis and the Bucks if they do go on to lose this series, Jay? Well, they're cap restricted. So, I mean, you, you'll see the same theme. Next year, I think ultimately it comes down to, you know, I, Giannis has always struck me as somebody who wants to do the right thing, guys. Like, he, he's probably going to try to play in the next game. Um, I know people are going to try to tell me he probably shouldn't play, but he'll probably play. The reality is, you know, John Horse and company, they have a lot of work to do. Uh, you look at, obviously, you can factor in COVID and, you know, the amount of regular season success that this team has had. But ultimately, if you're Giannis, you want to win a championship. I think he would rather do that in Milwaukee. So I think you'll have a year to see, you know, what John Horse and what Mark Lazary, the owner of the team, what they can do as relates to making moves. Can they get some younger pieces around him? And obviously, I don't think they're going to be able to finish it off this year. Um, but I, that's that's a really tough situation. You know, I, I will say this as it relates to him playing. I'll never forget this, guys. You know, being on the plane coming back from Toronto with Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman after he tore his Achilles. Uh, I, I'm not saying this particular. Um, you know, injury is the same as Kevin Durant. But, you know, a lot of people on that team told him he needed to play, right? A lot of people were like, hey, you can play, you can go out there, even though they knew he was at a high risk for an injury. So, you know, I really think ultimately the decision that the franchise and Giannis make over the next 10 hours or so before he plays or if he chooses not to play can really impact how Giannis will look at this team ultimately, right? Like, are you doing what's in Giannis's best interest? for himself and for long term or you think about just trying to you know we have to do anything we can to win this game and it's unfair but you know as we're all human beings here you know if you get pushed in one direction more than the other and you don't feel like maybe it's ultimately up to your choice even though it is up to your choice but somebody says hey you should play you need to play those things can be held against you in uh in in long term Especially for a guy that's considering, you know, what he wants to do long term with his career. Yeah, gosh, that's uh, the, the it's Kev- crazy. It's so sensitive, right? The Kevin Durant parallel, and I know you have a great relationship with him, but that Kevin Durant parallel is a really interesting one. And like people, people always get on athletes so if they look out for themselves and they're selfish. But like, I mean, Kevin Durant lost a year of his career in his prime because he felt pressure to play in that game. So and you don't know how that can affect you long term, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah you just say, say, oh, it's easy for Giannis to get the supermax. But I don't know if, guys, if he loves the Euro step through traffic. If he steps on somebody's foot again, and let's say the ankle sprain, I mean, we never see anything, pray knock on wood, come out really bad from that. But say something, get ligament damage, or I don't know, for a guy that really isn't a great shooter, the strength of his game is attacking the rim. I can guarantee you if something bad were to happen, you were happy with to look at it and say, well, you know, what's his game like right now that he can't get to the rim and his game is based off being explosive? Um, that's a tough call. 
It's a really tough call. Uh, we should give you 30 seconds to just pander to Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Bradley Beal playing together next year. Reckless season. speculation. Go ahead. Cat, I'm talking to you. <laughs> uh, first off, I love you. I miss you. We went to the same high school. I got to tell you, though, if you get a chance to bring Devin Booker or to bring Bradley Beal to your hometown, get it done. Get it done. You guys need it. You know you need it. You and D'Lo together, phenomenal. You, D'Lo, and Bradley Beal, what? I'll be seeing you during the NBA Finals. We'll be talking about you this time next year or in years to come. We're talking about multiple MVP opportunities for you guys there and also to come out of your division every single year. You guys will be the team you've always dreamed of playing. Trust me, we're both from Jersey. We're both from St. Joseph Metuchen. I know where you want to be. Get it done with Bradley Bill. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Jay Williams, man. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Have a good day. Awesome. Right, thanks, Jay. Man. Uh, you can find uh, him, Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, 5 to 9 on Score North in the Twin Cities. So let's send that out on the internet there today. Let's get people excited. Where he's talking to Cat. Yeah. Let's get people excited. Need something, Wolves wise, right? Yeah. I mean,. It's, it is amazing how there's like, basically nothing going on at all now. The NBA is so much fun right now, and the Timberwolves just feel so far away from everything that's happening in the bubble right now. And the Timberwolves just they haven't played since March. Far away from it. I mean, yeah. they they got the, the top pick, but that was what one night basically of excitement. And now Doogie said the draft's going to be when it's not going. It sounds like they're going to back it up again. So yeah, I think November or something is what he told us last. I'll week. check in with you then. So, um, all right, we we do have other things to get to twins related, but I think we should like here's a couple things I think we should save for. They have off days this week, but I definitely want to talk about the fact that they are still treating this season as if it's spring training in a lot of ways with their lineups and bullpens. But we can do that later this week. Mm-hmm. And Brent Rooker made his his debut uh, over the last few days too, and looks pretty damn good. But um, I think we should I think we should save those for for tomorrow okay. and the day after because right. we have to also talk about. Vikings football. Four starts this week. I think they're starting to settle in. Uh, you know, we've we're going to have to do a good job against their front. If you know, they're they're a very big physical front. Um, you know, they got two really good edge rushers. They they moved the Darius Smith around quite a bit, and uh, so it'll be a good test. Well, for us. they uh, I think <laughs> we've showed them a few plays where. Uh, He's made some un- unbelievable, incredible throws, and I, um, you're going to be looking at trying to make a tackle as opposed to getting the ball out. All right, Mike Zimmer talking about the first clip was him on the Vikings offensive line, and then the second clip was him talking about Aaron Rodgers. And the, the Aaron Rodgers-Mike Zimmer chess match over the last six years has been a really fun one. Not always fun for Rodgers because there was that one game where, I don't know, he like broke his clavicle or whatever it was. Would yeah. you know that Packers fans still hate Anthony Barr and stand by uh, their version of the events that it was a dirty play by Anthony Barr? They'll never give Barr. that up. Ever. Like, yeah. Rodgers rolled out to his right. Mm-hmm. He saw Anthony Barr coming for probably 15 yards, like mm-hmm. like in terms of just like how maybe more than that. It was it was Rodgers trying to wait till the last second. It was a bang bang play. Yep. It happens. Get over it. Wasn't it the very next season where they, you know, they put the enforcement on quarterback hits, and then Clay Matthews got called for a hit on Jared Goff, like in <laughs> week Matthews three, like and it was just like and Cousins. <laughs> it was the same hit yeah. and Cousins too. It's hilarious. Yeah, Clay Matthews definitely felt the brunt of that rule change. He got he had like four textbook tackles of quarterbacks that all got flagged in key spots. That was one of the stupidest, <laughs> stupidest, most reactive uh, changes ever because it made yes. no sense, and they didn't know it, it got enforced differently game to game to game. Yes. So, all right, so here's the question here, key Vikings question of, of the week. Do you guys think the Vikings should be favorites in the NFC North going into the 2020 season? I actually do. I think that if you look at, at offensively, they should still be good. I'm not sure they're great, but that line, pass protection-wise, is going to have question marks, but I think it can run block. You've still got Cook. You've got Thielen. Cousins, for as tough as we are on Kirk, is a good player for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at what this team has offensively and, and then go to the fact that there's going to have to be a certain amount of trust with Zim when it comes to his cornerbacks, but he's got veteran safeties. He's got two thirds of his, of his best line backing core back. Who's going to play on a regular basis. Right. And the difference to me is the Ngakwe trade now takes them from being of that defensive line is suspect. Uh, Daniel, 
Hunter's going to be uh, good on the left end, but, you know, are, are they going to be successful trying to replace Griffin on the right end? And there are certainly questions in the interior of that line, and there still are. But when you have Hunter on the left end and Gakwe on the right, that's pretty damn good. Uh, I still stand by my contention that the Packers, who won 13 games last year, are not a 13-win type of team. I have no idea what the Bears are doing. Mitch Trubisky won the job, really? You're you're trying to save face that bad that your GM and coach basically are going to put themselves on the chopping block for Mitch Trubisky? It's really worth it? Congratulations. You might be awful. I have no idea. The Lions are going to Lion. Matt Patricia. Now they got Peterson. Matt, Matt Patricia again has bitten off more than he can chew by taking on a player who is going to, um, especially if he gets to the Vikings games for the Lions, demand the football and tell Patricia to go climb a tree while he takes the game <laughs> over because he's still great, even though he's not. Um, I think the Vikings are good. I will indict the rest of the division by saying I don't think it's that good and tell you that if I put that together in a NFC North football stew, I get the Vikings winning the division. Dex? I think they are, um, especially after the Ngakwe signing. I, I, I believe now you you essentially have canceled out what the Packers have been able to do with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, and that line's pretty dang good. But Ngakwe and Daniil Hunter um, on the same line, it has an advantage right there. And, and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, who's he going to throw to outside of Devontae Adams? I mean, Alan Lazard's a nice player, but I don't see him stepping up and taking things over. I just I look at everything that they've been able to do on offense, even with me being as bullish on Aaron Jones as I am, I think regression is most likely coming to number one, that defense. And then I don't think the offense can carry them. Like their defense was was their staple last year. It kind of helped things out a little bit. And I I don't I want to I want to say they overachieved, but I don't know if they can do that two years in a row. It's just so hard to do that in the NFL, regardless of how good your defense is. So I think the Vikings are the favorites. Uh, similar to what Judd said, I, I think this division's gonna be kind of a the your old your old black and blue division it's probably gonna be maybe a 10 win team or even a nine win team that wins it but i think the vikings have to be the favorites i don't look at anyone no one really scares me in the division i think they're both playoff teams packers and vikings bears it's just gonna i mean there's so many things up in the air with the bears i think i think matt nagy is still a question mark obviously their quarterback situation is a question mark i am shocked that they're gonna roll the dice again with mitch trubisky it's a safe face move it, just, it felt like it's such dumb. an easy time to just move on from him Agreed. and just let him be the backup and actually, you know, think about this. Nick Foles, let me look this up real quick. Nick Is Nick Foles even 30 years old yet? He's been around for a little while. He's got to be 30 by now. He's 31. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But Nick Foles is still in his quarterback prime. Yeah. So Nick Foles still has, like, let's say six more years left of quarterback prime, and he has performed at a very high level when everything's been right around him. I'm not saying that Nick Foles has a chance to be, like, a top eight quarterback or anything, but if you have a chance to sort of roll the dice and see, all right, is there something for the next three years there with either one of these guys? Why would you not just go with Nick Foles? Like, he did it in a Super Bowl. So, that's weird. I don't think the Bears are uh, like an 11-5, and 12-4 and 4 type of a threat. I do think, overall, they're going to be competitive enough to at least give the Vikings problems. But I think, I'm, I'm with Declan on this one. I think Unique Ngakwe changes the division. I really do. Because I think it moves the Vikings from, boy, could this be the worst defense in Mike Zimmer's tenure as Vikings coach to, okay, they're back to being a top 10 defense. Now the question is, are they like the 10th best defense or are they going to flirt with being top five, top three? When you have those two guys coming off the edge, it literally just creates a ripple effect through the rest of the defense. And and now you're sort of, instead of being like, you've got problems at the up, you know, up, up front and now you've got problems in the secondary um you really only have question marks, for me anyways, you really only have true question marks with those rookie cornerbacks. And if one of those guys, Gladney or Cam Dantzler, catches on, this defense is going to be just fine. The interior line run defense scares me a little bit, but I don't think it's going to kill them. Yep, that's that's a fair point. Um, so I, I just think, like for me, before, before the trade of Ngakwe, I'm putting the Vikings on... Eight and eight, nine and seven, and they'll need some help to to make the playoffs. Too, I'm pretty confident this is now a ten and six team with upside that wins the division. So seems very fair. Yeah, um, but but it, it it wouldn't shock me if like Judd's super low on the lines. It wouldn't shock me if, if they still have Matt Stafford. 
Um, it wouldn't shock me if the Lions, you know, put a wrench into this thing and and flirted with 500. So I don't think there's a dumpster fire team in this division. Judd thinks there's one. The head, I don't think there is one. Yeah, based on the, the fact that my belief is the coach of the Lions is a complete moron. <laughs> I mean, Matt Patricia is awful. He's got no clue. He he is he's a coordinator. He's a career coordinators. Don't have to be worried about about leading entire teams. Coaches do. I don't think Matt Patricia has any idea how to lead a group of people to a common goal. Yeah. Also, like, or- if it's a defensive goal, I think he can. But if it's a 53-man offense, defense, special teams goal, I think Matt Patricia is an incredibly book-smart moron. Two other notes here on Vikings and Packers that I want to bring up. I don't think, even though I would I would take Aaron Rodgers over Kirk Cousins, it's certainly not the same gap that it was five years ago. Yep. And I don't think there's a discernible difference between the eventual like output of the Vikings offense versus the Packers offense. I don't think you look at those offenses. Like you can definitely look and say, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer and Kirk Cousins isn't. Yep. But I don't think you can look at the totality of those offenses now, especially now that the Vikings maintained Riley Reef stability at left tackle. Yep. It's not a great offensive line, but they still have competency at quarterback. They've got one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, one of the best running backs in the NFL. They've got two good pass catching tight ends. And they can run block. A scheme and a system that work. They can run block. And they too, can yeah. run block, yes. Here's my question. I hope that the Packers struggle offensively for like the first three games because I would love to see the eventual fallout here. Rodgers, there's no way happen. that he's taking this well. I mean, they literally they literally looked at these receiving options at pick 26 and were like, let's take a quarterback. And now Jordan Love... Jordan Love is going to start the season as the number three. He wasn't even good enough in training camp because he's a kid. His head is swimming. Yeah, he needed more camp, in fairness. Well, yeah, yeah but and I'm not blaming him. My point is, though, if I am a 35, 36-year-old QB who's still pretty damn good, I might not be as great as I once was, certainly, but I'm still good, right? Okay, Toby Keith. And my yeah, team, And my team looked at me and was like, we could get you a lot of help here. Pass to get your successor. Yeah, that's going to come back to bite you in right. the ass eventually. Uh, you don't tell me everything's fine. No, it's not. And I hope they struggle because I want to see that blow up because I am a rubbernecking sports fan here <laughs> on ninety four, and this could be great fun just to watch it implode. I mean, I, I'm glad you. I, I'm glad you went back to this because there has to be major trust issues between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur at this point. And those guys have both done a great job of like saying sort of the right things. LaFleur has, has, I think it's very obvious that LaFleur is just like getting talking points fed to him. But just let's go back to that draft for a second, all right? So the Packers coming off a 13-win season with a Hall of Fame quarterback that probably has like two or three years left of top play left. Not the same guy he was, but like... Before he gets here, you mean? Before he comes to the Vikings, inevitably, right? So they go into the draft knowing that man, we were thirteen and three last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there was a big difference between us and the Forty ers and so we just need to close that gap between us and the Forty ers And they draft a backup quarterback with their first pick and a backup running back with their second pick. They don't draft a player that could actually help them on paper until the third round when they drafted the tight end, as uh, it pronounced, Josiah Deguara from Cincinnati, like. The Packers have a chance, a small window the next couple of years to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, another Super Bowl. Yeah. And they chose a backup quarterback, a future potential starting quarterback, and a running back. Like, it is the most amazing gift as a Vikings fan you could get from the Packers. How asinine is that draft strategy? All of those guys should be fired. Just not, I don't care if, if Jordan Love pans out. Like, you have flushed away the last three years of Aaron Rodgers' career. Right. A flyer that Jordan Love could be your starting quarterback. It makes no sense years. at all. Like completely. It makes no idiotic. sense at all. But there's no way that it's not going to come back at some point in time, hopefully soon, just to watch it play out and bite them in the ass. There's no way. It's going to be hilarious. There, if 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 Rodgers has three balls dropped in the first two games, he's going to go ballistic, and he should. So that's the one that. If they are truly intent, and it looks like they probably are, with the next couple of years of going to Jordan Love, you have done your entire division the greatest service of all time because you've basically 
taken this run that began in 92 with Favre and extended through now and said, yeah, we're smart enough to move on from that. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, the way Kevin Costner botched the Browns draft in the 2014 movie Draft Day that was on Fox last night. Did you guys see that? Jennifer Garner, well, right? Yeah. Jennifer Garner's right. in that. I've seen part of it. You yeah. know, the, the, like all the hubbub. Have you, have you get? Have you seen like the end sequence where they wind up? I getting, don't think I have. Declan, maybe. Dex, have you seen this movie? I, I have not. I've made it through half it, and I, it was confirmed that it was one of the worst films of all time. I, I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it. I love me some Kevin oh. Costner sports movies. It's great. But the but so he's wheeling and dealing. He's the GM of the Cleveland Browns, and there's a consensus number one quarterback at the top of the draft, mm-hmm. and he gets wind through just his own recon that. This quarterback, Bo Callahan, is not the leader that he thought. The Bo Callahan doesn't have the oh Spielman like the, the skills that he thought. Well, Spielman would have drafted him. <laughs> he put a red dot by him. No, yeah. Spielman would have drafted him. Spielman would have yeah. taken him. Um, but but mm. he winds up doing all this wheeling and dealing. Yep. To draft a middle linebacker with the number one overall pick and a running back with like the number six overall pick. Wait, in 2014 is NFL. this like 1989? But that's what the Packers did. The Packers basically said, "All right, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get in here." Well, at least their position priorities were, were far closer to being right than linebacker and running back. No, but they weren't because they drafted a backup quarterback. No, I know, but the position priority. I mean, a linebacker who takes a linebacker first? It's true. You've got to be on drugs. <laughs> it's hilarious. Linebackers so. have not been truly sexy since like 1992. Yeah. All due respect to Eric Kendricks. Um, That's right, but. But that is uh, that's the consensus. We I all think they're the favorites. The amount of time you spent watching films this weekend <laughs> It's great. I watched my first two Star Wars movies, which we will break down later this week. Watch me some WrestleMania goes Hollywood. WrestleMania twenty one. Oh God, twenty one. I'm so excited to review it. We are hey. gonna we're gonna put Mania Rewind on hiatus for one week because we have a bunch of stuff going on in a short week. Go ahead, Dex. All right, I I want can, can I change my action movie rewind picks? I've realized the error in my ways. You want to do this right now? I want to do this right now. Can All I just right. do this right now? Because I know Judd watches the films by midweek, and I don't want him to watch two films. Tomorrow. So, it's carved out. So yes. I, I, I want, I want to, I'm, I'm just going to have an impact. Welcome to the party, pal. Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother Do we need to set this okay. up? I think we need to yeah, set yeah. this Go up. Go ahead. All right. So, so Declan, Declan uh, was on vacation. He is, he is currently producing from home and quarantining because he took his first flight during the COVID period. Um, and so Declan had pre-recorded his pick for next week's action movie reel. We just, we alternate who picks which movie. And if you're new, uh, every Friday we break down action movies from the past. And the heart and the spirit of action movie rewind is to pick movies that we can make fun of and have fun with. And Declan literally picked like, like you picked like a movie that is completely shielded from making fun of because you picked <laughs> you picked Black Panther, yeah. Which like first of all, like Black Panther is an empowering movie. It's it has empowered right. millions of Black people from around the country and around the world, and it features tragically Chadwick Boseman who just passed yeah. away last week. Can't make fun of a guy who just died, so, man. Can't do it. Sorry. And so like. As much as I love the movie Black Panther, it is a great movie. It is not necessarily a great or it's not even really a good fit for action movie rewind because we can't there's like no part of that movie that we can with good conscience make fun of. So we would just be praising it for 30, 40 minutes. Right. Makes Which sense? I would love to do, but it, it is a not on brand. And I am someone who loves to admit he's wrong. And typically I'm wrong. So <laughs> I want to correct. We have my tweets exposed is coming up shortly here, exactly. by the way, to prove that exactly. we're wrong. It might not be kind to any of us. So to pick one that's maybe more on brand, and I, I still have I have a whole note page of notes of of ones I want to pick, but I think this one is more on brand and it's more in the timeline and it's and it's and it fits. So instead of Black Panther, we're gonna do Bad Boys instead from the night. There it is. There Bad it is, Boys. dude. Will Smith, Martin yes. Lawrence. Bad Boys. Okay, that's what we're gonna do. Nice. Okay, I Bad don't Boys. know if I have seen Bad Boys straight through, but I know enough about Bad Boys to know that that is the spirit of Action Movie Rewind, <laughs> right there. I've seen the second one. I don't think I've seen from start to finish. But we're doing the first one, right, Dex? Yeah, the first one, and I believe it is on Netflix. Okay, so nineteen ninety five. Judd was yeah, ready. Right. Judd was ready to to bring. Uh, Basically, to bring fatherly Judd to bring sports dad to the equation, if we did Black Panther on Friday, oh, he he kind of have a talking me, to. I I had a couple a uh, couple couple twelve or ten uh, uh, Corona extras when I was texting Judd on Saturday, and he kind of showed me the letter. <laughs> so I so said I my final line on the text thread to Dex was, <laughs> if if our friend Rami loves a film 
don't pick it. Because, like, he loves cartoon, but, like, really good films. And you can't make fun of them as much. And that's the other thing. Like, right. if it, we have to, we have so to decide no, no where do we to our buddy. where do we draw the 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 line between an action movie and a comic book movie too? Because I think there can be some some blending together there. And I have a couple on my list that I think we absolutely oh. should get into that would get into the comic book section of of yes. these movies. But uh, but Bad Boys is the new Bad action Boys. movie Declan? for Friday. Love Bad it. One fifty nine. You, you hit the sweet spot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Running time, yeah. 159. It hits the sweet spot. Perfect. Way to go, my boy. Perfect. All right. Uh, that, that, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that is how you compromise right there. And that is how right. you, you raise excited. your hand and admit that, all right, this might not be serving. And the... Netflix, too? It's on Netflix? I believe so. I, I believe so. I'm very excited. No, well, thank you. Century. Can we roll right into some old tweets exposed here? Of course. Oh, right. my gosh. Of course. Hey, real quick, before we get into old tweets exposed here, where Declan goes back into 12, 11, 12 years of Twitter archives uh, and uh, exposes us for how wrong we have been at times, a quick shout-out to PodMN. PodMN is a brand-new, free-to-download app in the Google Play Store or Apple Store for you to discover and listen to local Minnesota podcasts. That's right. You think about all these third-party apps, whether it's Apple, Spotify, and, and I use all of these, too. There's not really a great place until now to actually discover Minnesota sports podcasts, non-sports podcasts, travel, whatever it is, local and locally rooted podcasts in the state of Minnesota. You can now discover them through the PodMN app, PodMN.com to find out more information, free to download. All right. Okay. Let's do this. So there's a theme to old tweets exposed this week. All three of us are bringing Eddie Rosario takes that oh, need to be man. brought back up. So we're going to start with Judd. I, w- I usually start with Phil, but we're going to start with Judd here. And uh, this is from September 25th, <laughs> 2015. Judd tweets, that's Rosario. I've said all along, this guy has baseball smarts. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, medic. Dude. Medic. Wow. 7.28 p.m. No, I'm probably, September at, a, I'm probably at a game. It's early in the game here. It's September 25th. It's late in the season. I'm going to find out if the Twins were at home that day. Although I will say that my guess is so 2015, that might have been the year where they almost sniffed a wild card spot. It was, yeah. I think you're right. Okay, so they weren't yep. terrible that year. But, but, but your baseball goggles were on, your beer goggles were on, because they had been mostly terrible for five years by that point. Oh, my so gosh. So you're, you're just wishfully thinking and hoping that you've seen an actual young player pan out. I feel like you're trying to make excuses for an inexcusable tweet. It's and bad. you it's look, really Rosario was pretty, pretty, pretty awesome that in his rookie year when he got called in 2015, he had a bunch of bombs. I think he even led the league in outfield assists, only playing yeah. in like 100 games. Yeah, he but, did. ooh, Judd. Pretty nice. bad. Uh, September 25th. No, that ooh, that might have been a few beers in. They were at Detroit <sighs> that night, which probably means a... It was a Friday night, so it was probably a 6 o'clock start. Yeah, I was drinking. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Robin Williams, it's not my fault. Amazing. Okay, well, that was a good find. Dex. You know what the weird thing about Rosario is? He's certainly not a boss because he's he's been a 20 home run guy. He drives in runs. He has big hits. Yeah, no, he, that's but what drives just, you crazy. He's so frustrating when he makes mistakes. I want to say, too, in 15, is that the year that teams continued to run on his arm all the time yeah, yeah. and you were like what what yes. so that must have been he threw to- god bless america he threw to the right base gotten out and i thought oh wow he's baseball smart all right Judd is not alone when he got Judd is not alone oh my god this is from may oh. 4th 2015 oh, dude i i still stand by this kind of Oh, it's better than mine. It's better. I, I can't jump on this one. There a couple options that actually Phil had for Eddie Rosario, so okay. I ended up using this one. But Eddie Rosario owns a slash line of 243, 285, 385 between AA and AAA the past two seasons. Yep. Not sure that'll translate well to the big leagues. One like. Okay. Who's the one like, by the way? Look at uh, Jake DePew. Jake DePew jumping DePue. in there. With- it's like the... It's like it's ah, a his tweet. His genius. <laughs> Depew from the top rope. Depew says it's like it's the Twins' goal to mind bleep Aaron Hicks as much as possible. Going on oh. three years now, the Twins wow. did mind bleep Aaron Hicks. Although Aaron Hicks did approach the Twins one time about just 
eliminating him. They let him. him. Someone's a switch hitter. I'm going to hit right-handed from now on. Uh, who's pitching today? You, Darvish. Good luck. Have yeah, fun, kid. Luck, <sighs> all right. All right. So, yourself. <laughs> so, all right. There's there's not a full defense for this, but my point was, if you can't get on base at a high clip in double and triple A, you're not going to be able to get on base at a high clip in the major leagues. And my defense is, Eddie Rosario has not gotten on base at a high clip in the major leagues. His career on base percentage is 309, which is well below league average. He's a below average on base guy. What I didn't account for is that he would also turn into a 30 home run hitter and have big hits late in games and bring swag to the Twins clubhouse that they sorely needed. So I was right about the on base part. I was wrong about the overall product because Eddie Rosario, as frustrating as he can be, has been a positive player for the Twins. I tweeted he was baseball smart. That's worse. Yeah, that's more agreed. I'm, I'm losing. I'm in last place right now. Unless Declan really has a awful take, I'm in last place. I'm <laughs> taking right. the L. I always self-report. This is from June 2014. Good. Could we package Eddie Rosario and Sam DiDuno and potentially get something awesome? Two question marks. I think we could. June 4th, 2014. The day that Declan became the, could we just package some crappy things together for something awesome guy? Yes. Yes. Sam DiDuno. I like how I had to throw in Sam DiDuno into that too. Because like Eddie Rosario was a top 10 prospect, but like I had to include wildly ineffective Sam DiDuno. God, Sam DiDuno is amazing. Sam DiDuno reminds me, you ever see these movies where like somebody gets in or like, uh, what's that? Speaking of action movies, what's the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger one from the ni- True Lies where he gets in like a fighter plane for the first time in years and it's like, whoa, I don't know where this is going. Did That's you know? Sam DiDuno. Yeah. Whoa, I throw 95 with movement? Oh my God, this is crazy. Like everybody look out. I've got out. this arm and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> hey, here's a baseball. Yeah. He's like the bionic arm kid from that Rookie of the Year movie in the early 90s. Right. Like, whoa, I didn't know I threw that hard. I got bad news. I still lose. It is, yeah, yeah Judd's is the Like, worst. this is hilarious. This is funny. But it's because of Duno. I called Rosario baseball smart. Okay, how are we at? We should, we should incorporate the old tweet exposed rankings, just the three that Declan puts out every week. So, uh, so, so Judd gets the win this week, right? Judd gets the win. Win or loss, however you want to consider yeah, it. It was the most absurd tweet. The win being the most absurd tweet. Who gets, who gets the second place medal? I think it's probably Declan. I think it's Declan. Probably Duno. Yeah, and you're yeah. Probably. Yeah. Mine was still bad, too, but. There it is. Old tweets exposed. Those are good finds. I got to go back and start deleting tweets. Yeah, I can't remember the other one. I, Mackie had two, and I was trying to decide which one to use last night, and I'm I'm, I'm just blanking on what it was. But the, both of them, I thought, were fitting the things of Eddie Rosario. Too many beers you know, on vacation, Declan. That'll do that to you. It, it, it's this segment that makes me never I, – I don't delete tweets really ever. The only tweet I've ever deleted outside of like – if I had a typo or something right. or whatever, that doesn't count. I deleted uh, when I when I signed up to work at fifteen hundred ESPN in two thousand ten. I had been tweeting for a year, and a few weeks before oh, I was right. introduced to Patrick Royce to potentially work with him, I had a tweet about Pat being like a belligerent clown for something he wrote about the Twins in the Star Tribune, and I was like, you know, I don't want Pat to read this. I'll tell him about it on the show, but I don't want to read this. Uh, there are local media members that do delete their tweets, and I feel yes. like. I feel like uh, I feel uh-huh. like you should when you when you tweet your stuff out there you should just let your stuff often sit out there. Yes. Yes. What do I know about this? There's a couple of them. I should be aware of this. There's a couple. Yeah. Really? Maybe at some point we'll. Maybe at some point. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll incorporate other people's tweets and little tweets. Ooh, if we can find them, maybe. if they haven't deleted them. Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.